0: What's up, Seven Figures Nation? Leo Canell here with another episode of the Seven Figures Club podcast. As always, the purpose of this podcast is to give you the tools, tactics, confidence, and learn from the guests who have built seven-figure empires and beyond, and give you, you know, the roadmap to success so you can join that Seven Figures Club, that five percent of the population that builds seven-figure businesses. And today's guest, Tony Lopes, is going to do exactly that. He's actually a first-generation American. CEO of Dirty Boots Capital. He's a real estate professional. He's a best selling author, coach, and speaker. He earned a BS in mechanical engineering and an MBA from UMass. He worked in the defense industry for 19 years, managing multi million dollar programs while simultaneously building a portfolio of residential income properties. His investments, coupled with his understanding of markets and economics, allowed him to retire at age 44. And, of course, what really drives Tony is sharing his knowledge and experience so that others can achieve financial independence and enjoy the same level of freedom that he does. He's going to be talking about, of course, entrepreneurship, multiple streams of income, real estate. And we might even delve into world economics and countries like China and how that's going to impact everything we're doing here in the U.S. Tony, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three 7 figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success.
1: You can create your dream business in life right now, so buckle up and let's go. Leo, that was an awesome introduction. Thank you so much for having me on today.
0: Uh, we're excited to excited to have you and we had to reschedule this and I think it actually worked out better for both of us that we did so I'm super excited we can connect and Tony uh correct me if I'm wrong I think you're going on a pretty big trip here in the next few days
1: is that right you are correct uh we are heading out to Europe for about 21 days wow uh, part partly uh uh for fun uh but for, for me, I always love delving into the macro space of things. Oh, yeah. And so I know on this trip in Europe, I'm going to get into conversations with the locals in Europe on everything from politics to economics to China to U.S. politics, how they see us here in the U.S., uh, in, in a very unfiltered way, right? Because I don't think we always get the data uh, 100% accurate uh because it's filtered by the by the media yes, and it by is. others and uh i like to uh as i say i like to put boots on the ground and see what's actually happening out there in europe so i'm looking amen forward. guys if nothing
0: else today's seven figures nation we're going to hear the truth from tony when it comes to economics the market what it's doing what are the real opportunities out there in real estate etc cetera, etc cetera. tony uh, unpack for us, if you could, just a little bit about what was it in your background that, you know, gave you the courage, the confidence to eventually leave 19 years of corporate America, you know, working in in the, uh, the upper echelons of, uh, you know, a defense contracting type business, very stable, and eventually going, you know, full-time into entrepreneurship. And what was the process? How did you do that? Uh, so everybody who's listening, who's in that boat, looking to build a side hustle, looking to build to be independent, entrepreneurial someday, can follow that roadmap.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, as I share with folks, I'm I'm no different than a lot of your audience members, your viewers here. Um, I came from a uh, from a, uh, a a family that uh, migrated here from Portugal, uh, so my parents did not have much when they came over. Um, I was given the mantra from them because they came from a very poor country and yeah. they saw so much opportunity here in the United States. And so I was given the mantra, uh, you know, me and my siblings go to school, get a good education, you'll get a good job and you'll be taken care of forever. That's how they saw things playing out for us. And so what, what did I do as a, as a young person? I didn't know any better. I said, Hey, mom and dad must know the way. So I went to school, got a good education. I got a good job and things were okay for a while until it wasn't. And that was the day I got laid off. And I was like, wait a minute, this, this was never, this was never part of the mantra. So I had to recalibrate very quickly uh, because I wasn't financially independent at the time. Um, so I needed to spend some time, find another job to be able to pay my bills. And it took me about three months to do that. And during that time, those three months, there was a lot of soul search and in, in terms of, Hey, do, do I really want to be doing this? Do I want to, um, you know, uh, be at the mercy of somebody else for my, for my cash flow, for my income. And the answer was simply no, but I had to for, you know, for the next phase, I, I needed to get another job because I wasn't financially independent. So, so that's what I did. I found another job. Uh, it, w- it was great. Um, but shortly thereafter, I started investing in real estate and I'm not talking about like doing like multi million dollar deals or anything like that uh, to be able to eventually retire at 44, which, which was a great experience for me. and And I loved it, but my first deals were, were small deals you know, something everybody can do out there that's listening to this. And I encourage them, you know, you can go off and buy anything. For me, I bought a, I bought a, um, a quad, a four unit multifamily. And I didn't know what I was doing. I have so many people in there. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, people would ask me, you know, well, gee, what, what was the cap rate and what was the cash on cash? And what was, you know, this metric and that metric. And I'm like, I have no idea to this day. I have no idea. I, 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 purchased based on cash flow per door and that was about $200 per door is what i was looking for that was my only metric i kept it very simple right cuz sometimes you can get uh paralysis analysis here and um so, I didn't know any better, which actually benefited me because I just followed that very simple metric. And I still own that property to this very day, mm. that very first property I purchased. And so, I just went from there on to the next, right? Uh, you know, I actually went into um, uh, single family construction. I started building some spec homes, sold those, reinvested back into the multifamily space because at that point, I was looking more at the macroeconomics of things. And I understood better, um, even back then, that we were trending more towards a renter nation. So I got out of the uh, single-family home uh, spec home building, and I just focused on multifamilies. And I bought a duplex, and I bought a triplex, and you know, just small buildings like that that eventually allowed me to retire at the age of forty-four because my cash flow. Uh, you know, exceeded my expenses, so I had some extra income that allowed me to to retire. Um, so so that's kind of how it got started, and and so I share that those, so to speak, humble beginnings. Uh, because it's important for folks to understand you, you know, to get into real estate, you you don't need to be doing like your first one, two, three deals, like multi-million dollar deals. You don't doesn't have to be that way. You can get here. Uh, to a better place, a better quality of life, more freedom in your life through, you know, just taking these small steps along the way. Uh, I'm an example of it. So let's define that freedom for a lot
0: of people, because a lot of people right now are listening and some were involved and and made uh, some new investments in real estate. Maybe they did very well. Uh, They've had successful businesses or or they've got a job that's been doing okay for them. And right now, they're unsure of what the next step is. Is real estate still the place that they should be going to? If they just have a few properties right now, um, what do you feel like right now is the path to financial freedom? Because that's a big part of what we talk about. It's a big part of what you talk about is uh, financial freedom, and the and and I think at the end of the day, that's the they've done a lot of research and study, and, and most entrepreneurs and, and business owners. The reason they start started all is because they are looking for freedom, freedom uh, to have the time to say, I'm going to go to Europe for three weeks, which w- was what you're doing here in a few days, freedom to be able to spend more time with family, you know, be able to coach uh, their kids in football like I do, or or be able to have a great team and, and uh, really make a positive impact. So how, what do you feel like is right now in America, the best path towards that financial independence in 2023?
1: So that's, uh, it's, it's a pretty complex question, uh, what you're asking there, but I'll I'll simply answer it this way. There's a lot of different answers, right? There's There's a a lot lot of different different answers, but in your
0: opinion, what do you feel like maybe are a couple of the more simple ones that the odds are more in your favor to succeed at?
1: Well, I, I obviously I like real estate because you can do that in parallel to your, uh, your job. Right. That's what I did. I got started in real estate while I was also working my W-2 job. Uh, so you can do this real estate thing and gain more cash flow in parallel to your job. For some, But some folks don't resonate with real estate investing. And that's mm-hmm. okay. I don't push them in that direction. Uh, but I I do encourage them to look at creating a business. Right. Exactly you know, an online business where they have a a shop or some sort of affiliation business or some sort of franchise business, some sort of business where, again, they can do it in parallel to their job, but it provides them with additional cash flow, right? And so we always talk about, or at least I I share with, uh, you know, when I coach with others or when I do speaking gigs or things like that, I talk a lot about this multi-leg stool, right? If you have a stool with just one leg, with just your W-2 job, that stool with one leg is very unstable. Got a follow. Right. Over. So what I share with folks, is, yeah, right. So we want to create a stool with three, four, five, six, ten legs to create a very stable stool. So if you have a W-2 job, that's okay. I don't I don't uh throw stones at, at, at those folks. That, that's fine. Some people sure. really enjoy their job. That's okay. But I encourage them to add another leg to that stool of cash flow either through real estate or business or some other means to be able to achieve more more freedom in their life because if that job goes away during a recession or a downturn of some sort, uh, what do you do? And if you if you have a business already established or you have an affiliations program or you already have a um, a franchise or something. You can pivot to something else real easy as opposed to not having anything at all, and then you're stuck, which we don't want people to be stuck. We want to give people opportunity, and with those opportunities come greater freedoms to do what you want, when you want, when you want to do it. With who you want. Amen
0: to that, Tony. Right. So I, I completely agree with you. And the reason I asked that question is because there's lots of different opportunities to invest. Some people are talking about cryptos. There's always talk about, you know, stock market and and uh, don't buy that cup of coffee and invest in your 401k. But I think you would probably agree that's very archaic, traditional, and almost like the whole idea of go to school, get your college degree, and everything's going to be fine. And maybe that was the case 30, 40 years ago, but that's not the case anymore. And for me, what I see is the two best opportunities moving forward, and it sounds like we're congruent on this, is investing in a business that you can control that's going to generate a better return than anything else you can do. And then with additional profits, money that you have, investing that into real estate, and opportunities. And it sounds like from what, from what I'm hearing, you're kind of a multifamily guy, but you've done a lot. Uh, What do you see as kind of the opportunities in real estate, even with these
1: higher interest rates moving forward into 2024? Yeah. So this, this is where we start getting into the macro space, right? Uh, Which is- Educate everybody, give them an idea. What do you mean when you say macro? So the, the the bigger picture, what, what's not what's not necessarily happening specifically in real estate, but what what's happening in politics, what's happening in society, what's happening in the economy with with not just interest rates, but also unemployment rates, with migration patterns, we start to get into a much higher level um uh view of what's happening in the world, really. Uh, and this is we'll fold China into this conversation later because it's relevant. Um, but once you start looking at the macroeconomics of things, you start to better understand and know better your reasons why you want to be in real estate. And so for me, so I'll give a couple of examples. Um, you know, I, I do this uh, this uh, speaking thing about renter nation uh and how we the united states is trending more and more towards a renter nation. And so i'll just uh, cite like three examples here but there's like 20 different examples i could give why we're trending towards a renter nation, one of them being the recent debt ceiling, right? that we just banged up against and w- was just lifted, right? that that was uh a few months back and we continue to hit that debt ceiling at the federal level. Well, that dense debt ceiling is not going down, it's going higher and higher and higher, and those interest payments are going higher and higher and higher, and what's end up happening is there's less money to flow down to the states and to the cities and towns. So those states, cities and towns are going to have to make up the shortfall somewhere. If it's not coming from the federal government, it needs to come from somewhere to pay for the welfare programs and different different things in the state, infrastructure and whatnot. So it's going to come from property tax is one main area, right? So property tax, as I've seen over the last two years, my property taxes have done nothing but gone up and I own multiple buildings and they've all gone up. They're not going down, they're going up. And so it just further uh, creates this problem with affordable housing. And so folks, you know, are seeing property taxes go up and it's, You know, harder to buy a home or afford a home, they're going to trend more towards being a renter long term than an actual buyer. So that's how the debt ceiling creates this momentum more towards a renter nation because of, uh, you know, less money flowing down to the states and the states having to make up the shortfall by increasing property tax. That's one macro trend that's happening. Another macro trend that's happening is energy, the cost of energy is just going higher and higher, right? And there's also some some political um, wrappings on this as well with the ESG movement and how uh, uh, putting investment into oil and gas uh, was bad. And so what ended up happening was a lot of that capital did not go into creating new power plants, creating new uh, coal mines, creating new uh, uh, sources uh, uh, for uh, excavating fossil fuels, things like that. So that CapEx did not show up when we needed it. And so now what's happening? The cost of energy is higher. And so again, that's another macro trend that we're seeing because of this ESG movement prevented capital from being raised, from going into the the uh, the energy business to be able to create affordable energy products, right? So that's another reason where, so now what we're seeing is we're seeing home heating uh, fuels more expensive. We're seeing, um, you know, my electric rate has doubled in the last year. You know, we used to pay about $200 a month. You know, now we're paying close to $400 a month. So being able to afford a home with the unknown costs of energy, again, it's another macro trend driving people more towards uh, being renters than being homeowners. And then another thing, the the third point I'll make is society itself, right? We We've become a very uh, lazy society, not everyone, but for for a good uh, extent we society, young people have become very lazy. Uh, And how do we see that? We see that in terms of, you know, folks don't even wanna go to the grocery store to shop for their own groceries. We have Instacart now. You order it up and you don't even have to go to the grocery store. It gets delivered to your door. The same thing with preparing food. People don't wanna prepare food anymore. They have Grubhub and Uber Eats and different services, again, delivered straight to their door. Same with Amazon, right? We have this, we don't even wanna to go to the store. We order it up on our phone. It's a very sedentary type of consumerism. We order it on our phone and it shows up the next day and we're, we're happy about that. Do you think folks in that environment want to go spend the weekend and clean their gutters on their house? Probably not. Not when they're conditioned in this way, right? Do you think they wanna paint the trim on their house? Probably not. Or cut the grass, right? Or fix the shed or whatever it is. They're just not being conditioned that way from a societal aspect. They're not conditioned that way. So again, it trends. That's a macro trend taking us from being homeowners to being more renters. So those are just three very simple examples I think everybody can relate to. We all see it. Uh, driving us more towards a renter nation. So I'm still very uh uh bullish on the multifamily space. I talk about that being still the 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 next uh, gold rush in in um in real estate is the multifamily space. Um uh, and another reason for that to fold in yet another macro uh piece of this is look at China. Look at what's happening over in China. China is imploding today, right? You know their stock market, I just looked it up earlier today, their Hang Seng stock market in the last five years has lost 30% of its value. Really? 30%. Wow. Right? I did not realize that it was down uh, over the last five
0: years. I, I knew it'd struggle the last couple, but boy, I had no idea it was down 30%. Yeah. This, last this year years.
1: alone, uh, inception to date this this year, they're down 8%. But over the last five years. Right. So we look at things on a short-term basis, but also on a long-term basis, so we can see a little more of a trend, what's going on. Yep. Um, and so that that's going in the wrong direction. Uh, and so that's a reflection of their economy. And that's also a reflection of where money is flowing, or in this case, not flowing. Ah, it's flowing, not flowing yeah. to their stock market. Uh, their imports are down this year. Their exports are down this year in China. Uh, Their unemployment rate, which has historically runs about 4%, their unemployment rate is up to 5.5%, right? So their economy is slowing, right? Do you think that's an economy where money is going to be flowing into, or they themselves, the Chinese, are going to be investing into a slowing economy? Probably not. That money is going to flow someplace else. And my bet is that money is going to be flowing into the United States. In terms of real estate, um, and also the the uh, the S and P, our stock market here in the states, that Chinese money, that investment is going to be flowing to the U.S., uh, which uh, which still has a very strong economy as as of today, right? Um, and so you you look at some of these other so so that's again another macro trend. What's happening in China impacts us. And I think that's important for us to understand. And you know, we look at the deglobalization that's going on now, and the onshoring here in the states of, you know, what used to be produced over overseas to a to a great extent. We see this uh, the Chips Act, right, where multiple plants are building chip manufacturing plants here in the states that's positive for for housing that's positive for the multifamily space that's positive for industrial and warehouse and manufacturing investment right so these are all macro trends the globalization and onshoring that's just another macro trend that further uh, supports why i'm bullish on the uh the the rental and multifamily space so mm. Good stuff, everybody. So, bottom line is
0: multifamily is looking like a very strong opportunity over the next five to ten years. And uh, Tony, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many different uh, you know, realtor.com and other reports I've seen where there's actually a shortage of units. And right now there's very little inventory in terms of real estate homes on the market to buy. And so I'm hearing from people that we're three million homes short, we're four, five, six million. Uh, home units for families to live that don't even exist, and that's going to cause further strength in multifamily. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of moving parts there. Uh, so you're you're absolutely right. There is a shortage of uh, of affordable housing, and that's going to drive folks into the rental space. Yep. Um, but for for those folks, you know, there's a lot of uh, doom and gloom out there. And, uh, you know, you go to YouTube and you go to some of these articles there, it's uh, it's clickbait and. You know, I, I'll share, I I just did some research into Lennar because I wanted to see how the builders were reacting to these higher rates and because a builder is in a very interesting spot. They're not like a homeowner that has a 3% loan and they don't have to sell because they got 3%. They can sit there for the next 10, 20 years and be very happy with it, right? Uh, they're not a renter, right? They don't rent their home, So they're not playing in that space. After they build it, they go to sell it, not rent it. That's not their business model. So I I did some research on Lenar and I came up with Lenar is actually offering um, folks with student loans. They're offering like uh, upwards. I think it's, you know, they give a certain percentage back to the home buyer towards paying down their student loans, Mm -hmm. which I found very interesting because Lenar, they're in the business of selling homes. And if those homeowners, those buyers are coming and they're saying, well, I can't afford this house because I have student loans. Lennar is saying, well, I'll help you buy down those student loans. Yes. And they've given them cash back to go towards buying down their student loan so that they can now buy one of Lennar's products, a beautiful home, new construction. And uh, Lennar can stay in business and keep doing this. Right. So, you know, whether you're. Um, I see this as all bullish for the housing market. I don't see housing prices coming down. I see Lenar with this program. That's going to keep housing prices high. It just will. Um, so I don't see the housing market either for buyers or for the rental space coming down anytime soon. There's just too much momentum and there's too many other programs. I still see programs showing up every now and again. Uh, interest-only loans for for 2.99%. Interest. I still see that coming up. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm still very bullish on the, on the, uh, uh rental and home buying space.
0: Mm. No question. Well, inventory and the fact that there's just not enough uh, units out there for families to be able to live. There's a shortage there. That's applying pressure. Like you said, a lot of people sitting on 3% interest rates aren't planning on selling their properties anytime soon. And I agree with you. The data I've seen is showing that home builders are actually doing pretty well and rebounding, even with very high interest rates. Tony, I'm curious, what do you think would cause interest rates uh, to come down in the next uh, year or two? Do
1: you see that as a likely scenario? I I. I don't see it in our immediate future yeah uh, it's always hard because that'll obviously
0: create even more fire you know and and more demand
1: then exactly exactly and I still see the inflation uh rates still being too high for the Federal Reserve for Jerome Powell uh to really hang his hat on that and say we we've beat down inflation enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they've done enough. I don't think they're satisfied with what they've done. I think there's, I mean, again, it's hard to look so, you know, six months even into the future, but I I think we have another rate hike coming this year. Um, yeah. and And I think that's just going to keep the pressure on. So,
0: yeah. So the big question for everybody listening here with Seven Figures Nation is, um, you know, you've made the case and the, the data supports it. I mean, George W. Bush, when he was president, was pushing for 70% home ownership. And obviously that number is now trending closer to 60% because of the fact that we are becoming more of a renter nation. You've got Gen Z that has a bunch of student loans, which is making it difficult for them to buy houses. And millennials are in the same case. I saw some additional data that most millennials are buying homes because they have wealthy parents helping them. And all the millennials that don't are not able to, and they want more mobility anyway. And so, renter nation is a real thing, which means multi-family it makes a stronger case that multifamily is a great place to put money for the foreseeable future. Um, so, that being the case, right now today is now the time to be looking for real estate opportunities in multifamily. Is it something you should be looking for into the future? What do you think that if you've got fifty to one hundred thousand dollars right now and you're wondering where should I put it, what do you think they should be looking at?
1: So we're we're still buying, right? I, I so that's what we're doing. So we're still uh, looking at the whole map. Macro picture. We're not buying because we're reading articles on CNBC that says the housing market is strong, or we're watching somebody's YouTube channel. We do the research. We do deep dives into uh, because we're we're investing uh, not just multimillion dollars, but we're investing people's hard earned money, and we need to make sure we're doing the right thing for them. Uh, when you're dealing with somebody else's money, uh, yeah, you bet. You better. Understand what you're doing. (laughs) So we do a tons of research behind this, Um, and uh, so yeah, we're we're looking at this space and we're saying, you know, nobody ever looks back and says, "Gee, I wish I didn't buy real estate in 1970," or "I wish I never bought real estate in 1980," or 2000, or 2008, or so on. Right? You know, sitting here today. I think everybody would say gosh I wish I bought more real estate back then. You look at any real estate investor who who you know is is worth their weight they would say god I wish I never sold that building cuz it's worth more today it rents for more today right? I wish I bought more real estate and not sold what I sold right? So there's always this you know you know I this this bullish trend in real estate, because people do need a place to live. They need food, water, shelter, right? Because what's the, what's the alternative living under a bridge that that's not going to happen. Right. So, um, so yeah. And, and that's the way it goes. And also with, with the, uh, uh, with inflation taking away purchasing power, the value of the, the dollar becomes less and less over time, not to go down that rant, so sort to of speak, but as the purchasing power get goes goes uh goes away through inflation, the the dollar becomes less, which means your home becomes more, right? As as the value of a dollar becomes less and less, you need more dollars to buy that home. So what you used to buy for a hundred thousand dollars, you now need two hundred thousand dollars. Right. To buy that home. So so that's just another macro dynamic that's happening today, pushing the prices of homes higher and higher. I don't think we can timestamp this uh, video and we can come back in 10 years and I'm going to say guaranteed prices are going to be higher.
0: No question about it. So for everybody who's listening at this point, they're saying, well, I've learned so much just listening to everything Tony has unpacked here in terms of macroeconomics, what's going on in the Chinese economy, how that's going to be bringing likely more investment into the U.S., how the trend of renter nation is causing more people to look to rent, how we are short on housing units. And so your ability to be involved in multifamily is a huge opportunity over the next 5, 10, you know, 15 years. So what's a step that they can take right now today to learn more about this, to get involved with it and maybe, you know, look for two ways to take advantage. Maybe they want to be active or maybe they want to be able to learn enough to be confident and have someone who's an expert manage it. What are the different opportunities that exist and how can they learn more and take the next step, uh, including working with a professional like yourself?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I always first recommend some, some low cost solutions, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, re- read some books, right there. There's many great real estate books out there. Uh, a lot of folks that I come across, uh, got started, uh, through Robert Kiyosaki's book, rich dad, mm-hmm. poor dad, Great place to start. Copy, go, go buy it on, you know, a used copy of it online, super cheap, couple of bucks, uh, go to Goodwill and find a copy, right? There, you know, that's the cheapest, easiest way to do it. And from there, you'll find others and other good books to read uh, that will help you understand uh, the value of real estate and all that it brings. The other thing I would say is again, another low cost solution is watch some good YouTube uh, stations, right? Uh, again, Rich Dad Poor Dad has one out there. Ken McElroy is is another great one to to watch. Um, If you're interested in the macro uh, space, what's happening there, listen to George Gammon, uh, Rebel Capitalist. Mm -hmm. Uh, He does a lot of great, many great videos out there. Uh, So through watching a few of these, you can find some others in the space that you may resonate more with, or you may want more education um, one way or another. Uh, so those are two very cheap ways to start the learning process. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there. I do coaching and, and I'm not here to, uh, to promote myself, but you know, for folks who want to get into real estate or into having their own business, you know, one of the quickest ways is to learn from somebody else who's already done it. Oh yeah. Don't try to recreate that wheel yourself. Right there's another great book. I'll mention another great book. Uh, uh, one by Dan Sullivan. Who not how, is the title of the book. Who not how. Great right. Book. Find those who's that have already done it. Right. Don't try to figure out how to do it yourself. It's too hard. It takes too long, <laughs> and and there's just uh just too much headwind. Find somebody else who's already done it. Right. Find that who, um, and so that's what you get with coaching you have somebody who's already done it, right? I've already made many of the mistakes. I'm not going to say all the mistakes, but I made a lot of mistakes. And despite those mistakes I made in real estate, I'm still here today. I was still able to retire at 44. And imagine if I can help you avoid those mistakes that I made, how much more successful you can be, right? So leverage that. And and yes, you have to pay up for, for some of that, but that that's your, your, the cost of education to get you where you want to be. Um, so that's, that's, if you want to do some sort of coaching one-on-one with somebody uh, separately, there's conferences out there, whether you want to be uh start your own business, there's a ton of entrepreneurship type conferences out there, get out there, go spend, you know, to go to a conference, it costs, you know, two to $3,000, but the education you get, the network Working, you do the the uh, there's so much that you get out of going to these conferences. It's well worth the two to three thousand dollars you spend to go to a conference for two, three, four days and come home with some real value that you didn't have four days ago. That's pretty powerful stuff. So, those are some recommendations I, I would share with folks.
0: No question. Uh, before we go, Tony, you got to tell us a little bit more about your book, Freedom
1: at Risk. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So actually, a uh, funny story behind that, that wasn't supposed to be a book at all. Uh, I was actually writing uh, more so for I wanted to write a white paper. If folks know what a white paper is, it's a, yeah. you know, 20, 30, 40 page document. It's real, real simple. I was writing a white paper for my niece and my nephews. They're starting to come into their own now, starting to, you know, young, uh, young adults. And I knew they weren't learning any of this stuff in school or in college. Definitely not, man right we know that and so i wanted to put something together that would truly help them succeed in life and truly have great freedoms for themselves and so i started writing this what i thought was going to be a 20 30 page document and and so i was that geeky guy in the corner of paneras uh, you know banging away at my laptop computer and before I knew it, I had like 35,000 words and 200 pages and at that point I had to transition. you had a book and, and I had a book. And so I, again, coming back to the who not how, I didn't know how to publish. I didn't know how to do cover graphics or put a book together. I didn't know any of that and I I wasn't the guy to figure out how to do it. so I found the who. And so had I had a couple of great people. Uh, that were the who's to help me put that together. And that's how the book came about. And so what I teach in the book and what I share in the book is a little bit about my story. So it's written in a very storytelling type of way. Uh, I talk about my parents being immigrants and what they flowed to us as as lessons learned. I talk about many of the mistakes I've made in, in life. But basically the first part of the book talks about how the political system steals your freedoms, how the education system steals your freedoms, how the economy steals your freedoms, how society steals your freedoms, how we we ourselves steals our freedom and how the monetary system steals our freedoms. So it's very quick chapters, educates us on, on those big pieces so we can wrap our head around that one by one. And then in the second part of the book, I give the a la carte menu of all the things you can do to grow your freedoms. Right If you resonate more with personal freedoms, you know what? start a garden in your backyard or on your deck, you know, like one of those pallet gardens or something like that. That's a great way to grow your own fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, right? know where they're coming from, no chemicals. And not only that to be able to get great org- organic fruits and vegetables. It's also a great way to get outside and get your head away from the the media and from the politicians and from the gudge of all that create a good mindset for yourself. Having a good mindset is a, is a great freedom right there, right? Not to be surrounded by what the, what the media is pushing, right? Uh, so that's a great, uh, thing, uh, that I've, I've discovered I've used, I write about it. I talk about it. Um, another great personal freedom is if you have the opportunity to get a second passport, second citizenship, get it, right? I'm. I'm a, uh, 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 of Portuguese descent because mm-hmm. my parents were, um, uh, Portuguese citizens. So there's a very cheap, easy way for me to get my citizenship, uh, into Europe through my parents. And so I'm pulling the trigger on that to, to get that. It's been a lengthy process because, uh, of a lot of different reasons with the Ukraine war, they've been taking a lot of refugees into Portugal. Uh, you know, because of the, the war in Ukraine. And so they're prioritizing them in front of folks like me, which I'm totally okay with. And I totally support that. Um, but if folks out there have an opportunity to get a second citizenship and a passport that gives you greater freedoms to now go, you know, to different countries more easily to invest in different countries more easily, whether it be real estate or start a business, get a loan in those countries, right? If you're, if you're not a citizen of the, those countries, It's very difficult, if not impossible, to invest in those countries and you miss opportunities. So that's a way, you know, and obviously I talk a lot about financial freedoms and how you can achieve financial freedom over personal freedoms, right, Um, in terms of, you know, things like asymmetric plays, which means, you know, you invest in something that's uh, relatively new at low cost. Think in terms of like Bitcoin, when Bitcoin first came out. You could get a Bitcoin for like a nickel or something, right? Somebody bought a a pizza for for one Bitcoin way back in the day. But now a Bitcoin is worth, I I haven't tracked it recently, but it's like $25,000. So that's an example of an asymmetric play. When you buy something at a very low value and it has tremendous upside, right? So cryptocurrencies could be an asymmetric play. I also talk about uh, dividend producing uh, stocks, right? If real estate isn't your thing or starting your own business, if you're more into the stocks and, you know, find some great stocks with dividends that kick off coupons each and every month into your, into your uh, mailbox. So there's a lot of a la carte uh, menus in there where you can pick what you most resonate with. Mm. Good stuff. Well, Tony, it's
0: been an amazing, amazing conversation here. Really appreciate you stopping by the show and everybody make sure you check out his book, Freedom at Risk. I'm definitely going to buy it and make sure my five kids read it. We'll see if I can get all five of them, but I'm going to get a few of them for sure. Cause that those are some important guidelines there in terms of personal freedoms, economic freedoms, and, and boy, that, that is the whole purpose. I think of a lot of our journey in life is to find those freedoms and to hold those close and and that's uh certainly something I believe in a great deal. Uh Tony, the final word is yours in terms of something um everybody can do to take action today to get
1: closer to freedom. Wow. Um so I I I think you just said it. It's take action. There's so oh, yeah. many folks that I meet with who are afraid to take action right we just gave in this conversation the short conversation we we gave so many examples on how to take action right go buy a book right go down a uh, go watch a youtube video right go find somebody in your network that is already doing what you want to do if they have a business or if they have real estate go talk to them pick up the phone right now and call them send them a text message say hey joe hey jane i want to talk real estate you've bought real estate show me how to do it right Take action. Don't just sit there because today we'll turn into tomorrow. We'll turn into next week. We'll turn into and next year. Pass you by, guys. And it'll pass you by. And you know, we'll we'll be in the same state. So take action. That's the big message. Amen. Take action, everybody. This is not a passive podcast. This
0: is an action-taking podcast. Action is what's going to get you closer to financial freedom, personal freedom, and living the epic life that you want for you and your family. Tony, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Everybody take action, get the book Freedom at Risk, check Tony out online, and we'll see you guys next time on the Seven Figures Club podcast. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit 7 dot com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.